Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience, and today I'm joined by Monica Monfrey Scantleberry, founder of Monica Monfrey Consulting. I hope I got that name all correct, even though I practiced. How's it going, Monica? It's great. You got it correct. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's just start things off in traditional fashion. Give us kind of the 15 second elevator pitch. Who are you? Who do you serve? What do you do? Perfect. Well, like you said, my name is Monica Monfrey Scantleberry, and I work with coaches and service-based entrepreneurs who are looking to monetize their expertise with a curriculum-based program, like a course, a group coaching program, a membership, or a workshop, and then really use the results that they are getting there to create impact and income for their clients and for themselves. All right. All right. So it sounds like in a nutshell, you're, you're really just focused on helping coaches become successful. Is that a good way to just kind of wrap it up? It is. And I, you know, sometimes I always like to say too, there's a lot of people who are probably coaching who don't call themselves coaches because they have some sort of expertise. I was a former high school teacher and then I was coaching all the time before I really realized that, Hey, this is something that people do and create businesses and I can be coaching outside of my classroom as well. I love that. I love that. Well, that kind of, that, that segues us into the next phase of this show. And that's just understanding your Genesis. Like how did you get started? started? Uh, what drove you to take the leap into, I don't know what you refer to yourself as, entrepreneurship, business owner, coach? What what drove you to take this leap? Oh, I love that question. And it's all of those things. Um, I was a high school teacher for 15 years and I just left the classroom as of this date six weeks ago. So when people are watching this, just know that June of 2022 was my last time teaching. Um, but a few years ago, I taught high school literature. When my dad passed away, he kind of, his last words were like, do the thing that makes you happy. And I really didn't like the school I was teaching at. It was a lot of stress. Um, And a former school had a position open as a dance teacher. And I was like, well, I'm a former dancer. That sounds like fun. Um, It'll be way easier to like not have to teach kids how to read. And while I was in the middle of teaching dance, I was also practicing yoga. And I had decided that if I became a yoga teacher, that would give me another tool to use with my students inside of the dance classroom. So while I was teaching yoga, we started talking a little bit about the business of yoga. And And I got introduced to Danielle Laporte. And from there, I kind of decided to join into a really um, entry-level business program. And during that, I realized that I could be helping more educators with their self-care routines and become better. So my very first business was really focused on teacher wellness and teacher self-care and how to practice 
is yoga inside of that space. Um, I always like to say that was, I was great at selling it. I wasn't so great at coaching around it because I myself wasn't necessarily practicing wellness as a teacher. Um, but what I realized is as I was working with these teachers, what they really wanted to understand is how did I start this business? How did I decide that I could have a course and that I could teach people things? And that's really what made me move into focusing a little bit more on business instead of wellness. And just like every single thing as we're, you know, we're undoing the onion, then people were like, well, how did you grow your social media? How did you start to get clients? And at the start of the pandemic, um, somebody asked me if I could teach a 50 year old, how to use social media? I was 41 at the time. And I was like, sure. And from there, that's when I decided to launch the, another part of my business, which was all about how to use Instagram to grow your business, especially during the pandemic when people were like, my stores are closed. How do I still get clients? And I was still teaching high school full-time at home. So I was taking like teaching the class on one camp, one zoom window. And then on the other, I was in Kajabi because at this point I was using Kajabi. I was in Kajabi, you know, uploading things or recording things. I truly was multitasking. And through, you know, I'm sure we'll talk later about some of the challenges I faced, but through it all, there was like ups and downs. But what stayed consistent is that as a business owner and as a coach, I was still able to utilize my teaching expertise, whether it was in a yoga space, in a high school classroom, or with my clients. Because truly what I am at the heart of all of this, I'm a coach and I'm a business owner, but I'm really a teacher. And I like to say I'm a teacher for non-teachers. I want people to recognize that we all have something that makes us unique and an expert expertise that somebody wants to learn from us. And so for me, that's really what keeps me going. And that's why I decided to leave the classroom, take a little bit of a break and focus just solely on this other aspect of who I am as a business owner and a coach who helps other people become really great teachers for if they're not teachers. I love so many things about that story. First of all, I love how, you know, even though you're fairly, that sounds like somewhat early in the journey, you're still in the process of working. What you start with isn't necessarily what you're doing now. And I think that's such an important factor for anyone considering taking the leap is just because you start working on something that doesn't necessarily mean that that will be your final product. Um, And secondly, I love how you found the next phase by listening to your customers and by listening to the questions that they asked. Those questions in particular, though, are what I'm really interested in hearing more about is how did you build your audience? How did you build your online business? Uh, What were the strategies you used to build a social media following? Anything that you can uh, lead us into so we can get a better understanding of that? That's such a good question. Um, I think one of the very first things I started doing was just not being afraid to look silly. Um, So this was pre-reels, pre-TikTok. Like I think TikTok was around, but it was free. I would just take pictures and they wouldn't always be perfect. Or I would go live on Instagram stories and I would just share what I was doing. And I think just showing up really as who I was and not worried that like at that time, Instagram was influencers who had pretty presets and everybody was like in the middle of Bali, even though they probably were here in New York City. It was just, it (laughs) seemed really inauthentic. Um, And I showed up as like truly authentic and talking about the things that people wanted to hear. And then I made it a community. I think one of the reasons why I had such success and I did scale my side hustle to six figures in one year. And a lot of that came from creating a community of people and talking about about the things that are very real. And um, for educators, a lot of my clients, about 50% of my clients were teachers. It was saying like, you don't just have to be a teacher. Um, I remember I walked into a co-working space here in New York City and I introduced myself to the owner. And I said, I'm Monica. I know I'm just 
just a teacher. I'm not like everybody else here. And she actually made me stop. And she said, you need to reintroduce yourself. My parents are teachers. They're not just people, you know, they're these amazing. So these amazing humans. And so I soon learned that, uh, part of what was keeping me from growing was this idea that I could only be and do and have what people said teachers could be and do and have. And I just believe that we can be and do anything we want it to be. So that is how I think I started to grow my social media was just telling teachers like, Hey, I'm still teaching high school and I just had a $25,000 launch. Like if I can do it, so can you. Um, and that, I think that was really helpful to just give people permission. And then of course, once Instagram reels happened, I was like, listen, my friends, you don't have to point, you don't have to dance. You don't have to drop it. Like it's hot. If that's not how you want to, but people, one of the things you learn when you're in the performing arts is that there's a fourth wall and like, we're breaking the fourth wall by having a conversation and that people want you to have conversations with them. So when you get on Instagram and you get on TikTok and you create your content, not talking to like the false idea, but actually talking to the person on the other side of that reel. And that has really helped me grow. have reels that have gone viral, TikToks that have gone viral. And I don't have a huge social media presence. Like I think it's pretty big. And some people probably think it's really big, but in the realm of like influencers, um, it's pretty small. But the people who resonate with me, like they rock with me because it just breaks the fourth wall and talk to them just like they're sitting right across from me right now in New York City. I, I love that. Let's do that in real time. If if you are a teacher or if you are a insert whatever job it is that you're thinking about, I'm just a insert X. I love how oh. accessible this story is for you that Monica is sharing here with us in real time. Uh, I can't imagine that there is a teacher on the planet that isn't interested in an extra $25,000. Now, of course, there's a lot more to this story and a lot more work that went into building that $25,000 lunch. Um, let's go back behind the fourth wall, or I don't know what the terminology yeah. is, but <laughs> uh, let's hear, hear a little bit more about the process of building up, building up to that $25,000 launch, what challenges you had to overcome, what hurdles were there to getting that up and running? Yeah, I think um, when I think about this, it was being organized. So I have definitely tried all of the ways of running a business. I've tried other different platforms and I remember I was trying to piece things together between like this email service provider and this course platform and this payment. And, you know, maybe I'll save money. And what I realized is when you are on time crunches, being organized is super helpful. So I had started off with Kajabi like when I first started and then I realized I didn't have a business. So I just kind of was like, maybe someday later. So when I was in the middle of running my business and realizing I couldn't keep things organized anymore, especially if I was running and teaching high school full-time too. Like it's not an easy job. And so part of what I think helped me with that launch was really scaling my... Like not scaling, but organizing my my resources. And so oftentimes I'll have teachers who will say like, I'm afraid to invest because of this. And I think part of how I got to $25,000 was that I decided to invest in a platform that had everything all in one, which was Kajabi. I decided to invest in a contract with a lawyer to protect my... Um, to protect my investments. And I think I was really scared. Like, what if people like, don't like me because I have a contract? And I've, I've realized that people like you because you have a contract. Um, that's really helpful. And I decided to make things really easy for people. I don't, I didn't, and I still don't have a very great email marketing um, way of 
selling, but I showed up live and I talked about my offers and I talked about what could happen and I talked about experience. And so a lot of what I created was this idea of I'm doing this at the same time. And if I can do it, I'm going to hold space for you to be able to do it. And so that's really what I think moved me into that launch. But it, I always tell people and I always tell my clients too, because I do a lot with course creation. So, you know, I'll tell them like, I'm not here to sell you on Kajabi. There's other, you know, we talk about other ways of running your business. But what I always say is, you know, for me, Kajabi made sense and that. I didn't have to worry about like another separate email service provider or another organizational system. Like my brain was like, when I go to Kajabi, that's where everything is. And before that, I remember being like, I had to go to an email provider and then I had to like go do a landing page over here. And it, it was just really hard. So I always think that when I, to get to that $25,000, I had to make a lot of like organizational mistakes, but now it's, it's more streamlined and that has been really helpful, especially if you're a side hustler. Because I was side hustling for... I've been running this for about two and a half, three years now. So side hustling is a lot. Yeah. And I love love the timeline because again, with so many, you know, get rich overnight, the, you know, people are plummeted with all of these advertisements from people who claim to, you know, help you get from zero to seven figures in three hours. The reality of this is, is it does in fact take time. So just to put some perspective on this, I, I like to kind of understand the timeline a little bit better. Um, for you, where did, where did you start? Uh, how long did it take to go from, I have my idea, I'm doing this to $25,000 launch? Yeah. Ooh, it took me about, I think almost like 11 months was until I had, like I had my $25,000 launch at the end of that. And a key point I always tell people is like, I was making money in my business. Like I was, I was had a membership. I had a lot of smaller ticket offers and they were fine. Um, but what was really happening is I was getting tired between having to sell all the time. And so I decided to raise my price. And that took a lot of mindset work. And I still sometimes struggle with raising my price, especially, you know, remembering that I'm a teacher and many of my audience members were teachers and, you know, being afraid that people couldn't invest or they couldn't afford me. Um, but also realizing that I know that what I do and how I work with people gets results. So I would say a lot of this was testing out. I had a $7 offer. I remember I was going to do a visibility challenge and it was $7. You got seven days of prompts. So seven, 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 and then one person would win $77. So I was like, I just have to sell 12. I was like, if I sell 12, <laughs> I will make like $7. I was so excited. And I think I ended up selling like 69 of them. Wow. And I remember being so excited because I was like, wow, if I had just set my goal a little bit higher, what could have happened? And then what happened is people were like, so what's next? And I was like, oh, I don't have anything that's next. Luckily, I did have like, I had Kajabi and I realized, oh, I could just set up like a quick membership. So I just like threw together a landing page and a sales. And of those 69, like 50% of them converted into a monthly membership that I ended up having for like a year and a half. And I closed it just because I was really tired. But I think it was those little steps. Like I had to first see that people would say yes to something. And then that allowed me to really like, I'm a weight in the water. I always like to say this about teachers. Um, we're, we're a little risk averse. Like we tell our students to like, go shoot for the moon and try really hard. But a lot of teachers were like, well, I get my paycheck and like, I get my retirement. And so I in business world, I'm not one of those people who are like willing to bet my, you know, my whole life um, savings to grow a business. I appreciate people like that. But that's not me. So my business was me testing and 
seeing success and then believing that I could do it. So really walking away from teaching in June, this June is like really scary. It's probably the biggest like risk I've ever taken. Um, but I just look back and I think, wow, if I can sell a $7 item 69 times, and then I can like move people into a membership and then I can move into a $25,000 launch, I have to... I know that I can do this. Like I'm my greatest asset and I am the one stock that isn't appreciating right now. So that's what I would say is how I got from little $7 offer to a $25,000 launch. Yeah. Let's, let's zone in on just the psychology behind taking that big leap of, of letting go of the, the day job. (laughs) What did it take? How did you know that now is the time? Oh my gosh. There was, I had meant to leave last year. Um, after I had the $25,000 launch, I was like ready to walk away. I was like, I can do this. Um, and you know, I don't ever want to be like in a, I think I don't want to ever bring up like a sad moment. But I think this is really powerful to hear that. Like not everything in business and life is perfect. In March of 2020, my sister passed away of breast cancer at 29 years old. She had the BRCA1 gene. Um, and I also have the BRCA1 gene. And so because of the pandemic, I couldn't take some of the preventative care. So after I the $25,000 launch. And I was like, I'm ready to quit. I like went in to have some preventative care done and they found that I had some precancerous cells. And so that meant I had to have a, a long, a much larger um, preventative cancer surgery for ovarian cancer. And I was like, I have to stay. I don't want to, but I have to stay. And I just kept thinking like, as I move through this year, I am staying with the idea that I am going to leave. I'm going to take care of my health. I'm going to shore up the things that I'm going to take as many steps as I can to to shore my health up. And then I'm going to remember that we don't have forever. Um, Some of us have longer than others do. And I just, I didn't want to keep watching on the sidelines as other people were living the dreams that I wanted to. So that's like the personal, like how I got there. And then I live in New York City and my rent went up $400. And I was like, well, it's time for us to move. So (laughs) my husband and I are going to like do a little bit of nomadic living. And I think things just, you know, I don't, I believe that the universe, if you listen closely, you're going to hear either whispers or shouts. And there's a lot of whispers that I had heard that I kind of ignored them. And I just think the things that happened in about May and June were the universe shouting and saying, you have an opportunity to leave New York City to travel and to see if you love teaching or if maybe there's something else for you. And so that's what led me to deciding to go all in and to betting on myself and to betting on this this thing that we call entrepreneurship. Wow. Wow. What a journey and what a road to getting there. Uh, naturally, that's probably not the path that anyone anticipated or the path that anyone would have chose. Um, and I know that it sounds like you're just... you. We're just on the outside edge of this. I think you said earlier six weeks ago was when was your last day. Tell us what in those six weeks has occurred. Like, is this decision being reinforced? Are you thinking twice? Where where are you at at this moment? Um, it's really good. I actually had like a little moment. I saw one of my students, he's my neighbor and he was like giving me a hug. And I was just, I was sad for a moment. And then I realized there's so many more things that I can do. So a couple of things that have made me trust in this decision, um, has been seeing the number in Kajabi, like go up as I make sales. Like that's one of my favorite things is like every day seeing people invest, having clients come back and say, you're amazing. Um, signing new clients. And I think the other thing that's really reinforced that this is the right decision is I was getting onto a subway um, here in Brooklyn. And if anybody's a New Yorker, if you're not, New York is like the biggest small city ever. I'm from a very small town in Wisconsin. So I saw a student and I, 
I saw somebody I recognized her. She was one of my former students from a few years ago. And we were talking in the subway station and in the train, and she was sharing what she wants to do. And she wants to go into DE&I and become a speaker. And I was thinking about all the people that I knew because of my experience in entrepreneurship that I could connect her with. And I was realizing in that moment that I will always be a teacher. Like I will always be able to impact people's lives. But in this particular instance, if I had never stepped into entrepreneurship, I wouldn't know how to connect my student to other amazing DEI people that I knew who might be able to change her life, change her trajectory. So that kind of reinforced for me that it's really scary sometimes to step outside of the nine to five and then healthcare and the insurance. But what exists on the other side of that is possibility. And that just uh, I'm starting my entrepreneurial journey officially like full time. And if it doesn't work out in a year, like I still have all of the knowledge and all of the experiences that I had as a teacher. And I can always go back. I think we make this be like all or nothing. Either you're all this or you're all that and you can never go back. And I just don't believe that. I believe that there is lots of different paths and windows and ways to enter and exit. And so for me, seeing her was just a reminder that like I will still impact people regardless of if it's high school students inside of the classroom or my adult clients who are looking to create really aligned curriculum to help their clients have amazing results. Yeah. The only way to really guarantee that you fail is to not do anything at all. And you can Absolutely. always go back and always go back. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the the process of, of like getting your clients like I guess uh, it sounds like you started off focusing in on teachers. Are you still focusing on teachers or have you broadened that up to just coaches at large? I still, I attract a lot of teachers, but I don't particularly say that I work just with teachers. And one of the things that I sometimes share with my own clients is that if I say I only work with teachers, then I exclude all of the other people who aren't teachers. But when I say that I work with coaches and service-based entrepreneurs, and I'm a former teacher, teachers resonate with me because they see that idea. So I would still say that 50% of my clients are still educators or former educators inside of that space. And every once in a while, I'll think, well, I'll, you know, I can do this. I can have 75 or 80% of my business be focused on coaches. And I'll still always have offers that are really just aimed at my fellow teacherpreneurs um, or edupreneurs. We have, you know, we have all these different words that we like to use. And one of the things that I also really appreciate is that I don't think anybody has to ever leave the classroom. I'm not one of those coaches who tell teachers. And I had lots of coaches who told me like, you have to leave the classroom. And I just didn't believe that you have to leave the classroom. I think you can do both. I think it's up to people to make that choice. And it was a natural choice for me to like, after 15 years to decide what would happen if I did leave, I can always go back. So I always tell my, my, my clients who are teachers, like, don't follow what I did, but follow follow what's in your heart. If your heart is to stay inside the classroom and to have a business, like you can do that. If your heart is to leave the classroom and have a business, you can do that. Um, it's really up to us. So not everybody is a teacher. Many are. And also ironically, so many of my clients be like, I don't think I ever told you this, but like I taught for like one year. <laughs> I'll just start <laughs> laughing because it's like, it's almost like they're like little secret, like that nobody else knows that they were a teacher. Um, yeah. So it's always fun when people share that. Well, what I find so fun about that or I guess so useful 
people is when you're when you're building that audience or you're starting to try to find your customers, you start with who you know and who do teachers know? Other teachers. No matter what industry you're in, you, your best chance at making a sale is working within fairly close proximity. Uh, I always back in my back in the day, I'd always try to sell whatever it was to my mom or my grandma. I figure if one of them turns me down, like I no product, no chance at product market fit. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's always... And I think um, I've gotten so many referrals from other teachers. And so I'm always grateful that my core base, when I was teaching yoga, I taught for two years at Athleta and it was really for teachers. And people used to say like, can I come? I'm not a teacher. And I'd be like, yeah, it's cool. But like... (laughs) I'm always going to, you know, talk to my teachers first. And so it's always been, I've never forgotten. And I don't, I don't, I hope I never forget where I started, um, regardless of what the future looks like. Teaching is just, it's a part of, I wanted to be a teacher since I was five years old. Like, and so I I don't think I'll ever lose that. It's just, it's so powerful to me. Well, it sounds like like you're still teaching to this day, just in a different format, maybe not in the classroom, uh, taking on a different, different format of teaching is all this is. Yeah, it's, it really, is true to that. And I always, one of the things, and, um, you know, there's a lot of people who teach course creation and curriculum design. There's one of the biggest, um, forget the word right now, it's like one of the biggest things growing right now, biggest industries, right? Um, but what, what is so unique, what I always like to say is I will teach you as a non-teacher how to be a great teacher and you won't have to like go through the 15 years of classroom teaching. You don't have to have the children who, you know, who, who toughened you up. You don't have to go to pay the student loan bills. I will just share with you all of my expertise so that you can then become a really great teacher. And that's part of what, what I just love about being in both the this flip side of it, of working with adults. And I taught high school. So teaching adults, I've been teaching adults most of my life. I never really taught the little, the little kid. I tried, I tried seventh grade. It's not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to zone in a little bit on coaching. Uh, Well, first of all, uh, who in in the coaching world, who is your target? Do you start with helping people get from zero to one in the coaching industry? Are you focusing on people who already have existing practices where, where do you target? Yeah, I have worked with people in all different levels, but right now my current offers and really who I think my zone of genius really is around is people who have run a course or a program before and have some data. I love to like dig into the data and see where things went really well and see where things didn't go well. That's again, going back to that's the education or educator in me is like, let's try to, you know, put this puzzle piece back together. So pr- most of my clients come to me after having done somebody else's course creation program or they run a program and they want to see how they can make it better. How can they turn it evergreen? How can they grow their audience so that they have more clients and better results? So I would say it's targeting that newish, but not brand new um, clientele, as well as all the way up. I have six and seven figure entrepreneurs who are like, I have a certification program. I want to make sure that I'm certifying people really, but they're like learning and aligned learning so that the certifications that are happening, they go in and really have a amazing results. And I always tell people when your course and your curriculum and your design flows, when it's aligned and you're always checking for understanding, you're going to have better results. And when you have better results, you're going to have more revenue because your results are going to speak for you. And then you don't have to worry about saying, I had a $50,000 launch. You can actually say like, my clients are achieving this goal and this is what's happening and they're going to they're gonna sell for you. And so that's my goal when I work with my clients is to make sure that they deliver what they say they're going to deliver. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point that we've kind of skirted through throughout this conversation. We, we focus in on the big launches, but the reality of this is, is for you at least, and I think for many people in 
this space that the the revenue actually may be coming from other areas as well. It's not all about building up to a launch, so to speak. I, I suppose it's worth asking when you at any phase in the journey you were doing started off side hustling. Um, at what point did you feel like from an income standpoint you are able to generate a, uh, I guess a predictable enough. Uh, income stream to give you that confidence that you needed to take, you know, take the leap that you recently did? Mm, that's a really good question. I think I never used to run my numbers. I, I was always afraid that like I wasn't making the numbers. I kind of never would actually look at the revenue numbers from Kajabi or even like I used to not have my strike pings on my biggest piece of advice. To anybody listening to this is turn the strike pings on. It's so fun to get like a ping, like somebody, it just, it's that boost of confidence. Um, I think when I realized that just signing one or two clients was the same as my paycheck was, um, was like, and I was like, Oh, I can do this. It doesn't, I don't have to be here trying to have a $50,000 a month or a hundred thousand dollar a month that might seem really hard for somebody to grasp or to see, but it was like, I added my numbers a month and I was like, Oh, I'm like $7,000. And I don't really know that I did any work. And so that, um, and I mean, I know I did work, but it just, it had felt really fun. And that's when I realized that I could, um, I could do this. And I think the very first day, so we ended school here in New York city on June 27th. And on July 2nd, I like ran my numbers and I was like, Oh, I already made like just from signing one or two clients, like the same amount of money that I had gotten in, uh, not paychecks, obviously, you know, I don't have insurance. There's other things that go into there, but like confidently, I was like, you don't have to have these big launches. And I, I always tell people, I always tell my clients, like, Remember that the big launches, it was really fun to have that $25,000 launch. Like it was fun to talk about. It was fun to like add the money up. But behind each of that launch were 10 women who trusted, who stepped into a different experience. And those were like, I always remember that those numbers are great, but I always look at the person in front of me. So when I think about what I can trust, it was like the people. Can I trust that there is another person on the other side of a phone call or the other side of a social media post that I can help? And that that's, that's what made me decide that I could do this. Yeah. Plus my husband I said he listens to me. He's like, you're actually really good at this. And I'm like, oh, you listen. I feel like he's <laughs> getting free coaching. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I think that there is actually a, a really interesting point there for anyone who was considering taking the leap. And that's that the, although the launches, as you were saying, are exciting, the fact of the matter is, is that it's probably this is I'm just guessing you can tell me if this is the case for you, but it's probably a lot easier to start building income by just directly providing some type of service to a client than it is to build a big audience and to do all of the prep work. I guess in your, your perspective, what comes first? Do you start with the revenue stream? Do you start with the big launch? Ooh, I've been asked this question a few times. I'm a fan of starting with a revenue stream. Decide the one thing that you can offer and create that. So one way I always like clients, you know, I've done course creation programs and people will get overwhelmed by thinking about the nine modules and the workbooks and all the things. And I said, great. What is one thing that you could go and teach for 45 minutes? Create a workshop and you can utilize that workshop. And if you're using a platform like Kajabi, I'll say you just upload that workshop and then you do another workshop two weeks later and then you do and you upload that. And now all of a sudden you have a course is breaking this thing down into manageable steps. And I mean, I think um, I got COVID like most of people did. And I remember I was like really bummed. And then I said, well, COVID, you're not going to sit me in the corner. 
dirty dancing illusion there for anyone who <laughs> says baby's not going to get in the corner. And I was like, I'm going to do a workshop. And I did a workshop on Instagram reels it was $37. I made a thousand dollars. Everybody has something that they can teach for 45 minutes to an hour. Maybe you don't make a thousand dollars, but if you sell something for, I used to sell workshops for 17, $27. If you sell something for $27 and you sell 10 of those and you do it once it's $270 and you keep on doing that, you can steadily build up a side hustle. Living in New York City, I know I had always had a goal of higher, but there's so many people who... So many places in our country where $270 would buy groceries, would buy gas, would change somebody's life. So I just always encourage people to don't think about the huge five-figure launch, but what can you offer today? Plan it out. Start talking about it every single day and do that on repeat. You're going to be able to build your business really quickly. And I bet more often not than not when you're when you're doing that, you're you're actually building the foundations of what your course, what your membership group, what that will ultimately become. Yeah. It's so people I think we miss, and that's what I love when people say to me, like, oh, you're such a teacher. You make it so accessible. It's like we forget that. Sure, there's the the unit plan, sure, there's the course outcome, but there's also the steps that get there. And so if today I always use uh, I was saying that if you're a mechanic and you can teach somebody how to do an oil change and you can do an online workshop about how to, to change your oil and people buy that, you're just creating opportunity. Because um, we're in the middle of moving. And so I wish somebody... I wish I could have bought a course on how to sell on Facebook Marketplace because right now I feel like Facebook Marketplace is like a full-time job. I'm sure <laughs> that there actually is a course out there. But these are, the, you know, <laughs> these are the things that we think about. People want answers quickly and they want to learn from a person, not necessarily google so create yeah. that create that workshop <laughs> yes yeah that, that that's a that's a great point there there are so many micro niches that i i think are completely untapped um Anyhow, we could go off on a tangent there. One other thing that I wanted to uh, focus in on is this is something that I don't think we've gone into any depth yet on the show, but it's something that is so, so powerful and important for anyone considering moving down this path is that's pricing. And you mentioned that there was some, you know, I guess just some embedded, I don't know what you want to call them, but limitations or, or struggles associated with putting yourself, putting a price tag on what it is that you're offering. Can you share a little bit of what what you learned through that? Ooh, this is a, a big, a good question. It's a tough question. Um, I always tell people like there's no right or wrong. And I remember when I did the $7, I was so excited. And somebody said to me, we would have spent $27 a month. And I just was like, Oh, I didn't realize you would. Um, I, I also think we can remember that there are people who will pay like the person, whatever you're charging, there is somebody charging more than you and less than you. Um, and is recognizing like leaning into what you feel comfortable showing up and charging is the first thing. And the second thing that somebody said to me, and I can't remember their name, but it has really resonated with me is when you decide how much somebody can afford, you're actually disrespecting them. Like you're getting into their, into their own business and that's not your place to be. So one of the things I've started to think about is how many people can I serve? Like what's my bandwidth? How hard do I want to show up and sell? Um, I loved my membership. It was beautiful. It was $27 and then it was $47. It was a lot of work because I had to sell it every single month. And at some point, I just wanted to be able to focus on five people instead of having to focus on a hundred people. So for me, pricing is you know, part of that. The other thing I'll say about pricing, this is really hard to say because we're, you know, I come from a teaching background, but a lot of what we think is expensive or inexpensive is because of the stories that we've been taught about who we are and what we can't afford. 
And I definitely have spent over, you know, $50,000 in coaching and I'll never forget. I signed up for a coaching program and it was $12,000, but I could do the payment plan. And if I did the payment plan, it would have been twice as much, but you had one month to pay it off. And I, that was the month that I also had my $25,000 launch. So I was like, I am paying this coaching plan off. And I remember that coach said to me, she said, I don't know why you think teachers don't spend money. Some of our, our best clients have been educators. And that was at that moment when I realized that a lot of the pricing that I thought was expensive was because of my experience growing up. I grew up in Wisconsin. I was the only child of my parents. Like They both were unemployed in 1991. So things were, things were always tight. And so I was always looking for a good discount. We definitely used the gross coupons and definitely for a lot of discounts. And so I was pricing as if everybody else was living my story. So just when, I, when it came to pricing for me, I had to remember that my story is my story and nobody else's. But at the same token of that, I can say that and I can know how people can be like, but Monica, you don't, you're not living in my body. So I'll also say you have to price with what you're confident in selling. And so if I, you know, I had a coach who said I should be charging $10,000 for something. And I said, there's no way that I can utter the words $10,000 out of my mouth. I'm just not comfortable or confident yet in doing that. So I would say to anyone who's wondering about pricing, like test, say the thing that's like really difficult and practice saying it. And even saying it in your own mirror, I think can be super helpful. But pricing, there's just, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a loaded topic and there's not one right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a very, very similar, uh, story and experience to you. When I first started, the very first project I did as a teenager, I charged $500. And then the second project, I'm like, I'm going to try $1,000. So I made $1,000. Nobody flinched. The next one was $7,500. And I was shaking in my boots, scared to death to even utter those words. Exact same words the client told me after we finished, I would have paid you 15. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's, so it's like, it's mind blowing. You're like, oh. Yeah. Work. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's say, uh, I mean, I know you're, you're still, still fresh on this new journey of full time, but you've, you're also, you've been doing the, the side hustle for a long time, wherever it makes the most sense. Tell us what has changed for you as a result uh, of taking the leap, whether it was the side hustle or the full time, like what, what, what about your life has changed? That's I don't, I love not having an alarm clock. I'm super excited by not having my alarm clock off. I think what has changed for me is when I would come home from teaching, I would try to, you know, try to do a lot of the work during lunchtime. If you're my former employer and you're listening to this, I never was working while I was teaching students. Um, I think <laughs> that's really important to say. Um, but I would, you know, get home at five o'clock and I would try to either cram in all my calls between five or eight and five and nine and didn't really have like any downtime. And so what has changed for me is really seeing that I can like go up to my rooftop at nighttime and have some more downtime. The other thing I think that is a really tough transition for me is not working from 8am until 8pm because I was so used to for all of those that time side hustling of doing 12 hour days between my work and my business and realizing that like you don't have to work 12 hours. You don't have to be at work every single moment of the day. And so that has been something that I'm leaning into like, Oh, it's okay to just sit outside and read a book and have a cup of coffee and not be scrolling on social media or trying to send somebody a DM, you have lots of other hours to do that. So that's 
that's that's the a transition that I'm excited by. You had me. You got rid of the alarm clock. <laughs> that's the best. Honestly, <laughs> that's been like the best thing ever. That sounds like a really good marketing play. Like the like for for a business, get rid of your alarm clock. Uh, there's a much classier, catchier way to say it than I'm saying it, but that one definitely resonates. Um, well, give us a little glimpse of what's coming. Uh, What's the future look like as full time? Uh, any new products, new offerings that are coming down the pipeline? Yeah, I'm actually really excited. My newest offer is called Make Caviar. Um, and Caviar is my framework. It stands for Clarity, Authority, Visibility, Integration, Automation, and Result. Um, but it really is a hybrid program where I work with you 70% of the time, one to one, to design, redesign your curriculum for your courses, your group coaching programs. And then there's a little bit of a group in there where we bring in some last, you know, biz friends that I've met to talk to you about all the things that I don't do so that you really have a great experience. And it is has the group component, but it really has that one-to-one stem. Just I'm just excited to dive into that branding and to just really focus on the things that light me up. That's probably the biggest thing that's coming in the pipeline. I've been toying back with restarting a little bit of a membership. We'll see. But I think for right now, what I do appreciate that I've learned is I'm very great at creating ideas. And then as a teacher, I was, you know, all the time creating, creating, creating. And I want to give myself space to really focus on this one aspect of my business, uh, Make Caviar, which I think has so many possibilities for people. And inside of that, there's the options to design some smaller, some smaller work. Um, and then I think I'm going to be launching another round of my four-week program, Curriculum Cash Flow, where we dive into what to do if you're not quite ready for Make Caviar. So maybe you have that idea you were listening to this and you're like, oh, I've got an idea. You read a book. I read a book the other day and had a course idea. So it'll be for people who are more the pre-beginning stages. They think they want to do something. Um, and that would be a four-week offer. It was called it was called Course Cashflow. Now it's Curriculum Cashflow. Perfect for those of us who aren't ready to create the whole shebang, but maybe just want to do a workshop. I love that. I love that. Sounds like a great place to get started. You, you covered that a little bit earlier as a, as a really cool way to, I guess, maybe just solidify and stratify your ideas, uh, you know, fairly, you know, without a lot of major investment. So with that, where is the best place for anyone who's interested in finding out about um, either of those offers? I love Instagram still. I know, I know there's a lot of people who don't love it anymore, but I still love Instagram. I'm also over on TikTok. One of the easiest ways to find me is on any social media platform. It's at Monica Monfrey. But I love when people send me DMs. So I'd love to hear, you know, if anybody listened to this and you send me a DM over on Instagram, I'd love to hear your takeaways. Um, don't come find me in Brooklyn because I forgot to say I might be living in an island very soon. We're looking at mm. my husband's from Barbados. So looking at, you know, taking some time to explore the world. So Exciting find me on Instagram, stuff. see where I'm living next. Yes, yes. Well we'll of course have that in the show notes. Um Monica, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. Uh it's been really a pleasure. Thanks so much, Jared. I'm super excited and really grateful for this opportunity. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you all next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast. 